Hello and welcome to another set of the Once and Future Nerd Minisodes. For those of you unsure of what you are about to hear, we are currently in between chapters of the main plot of the show. Today what you will hear are two scripted minisodes, vignettes occurring in-world but not necessarily synchronously with the current plot of the main show. But before we get to those, we have a couple of quick announcements. First, we just held our end of chapter Ask the Once and Future Nerd Q&A livestream. It was a lot of fun, and audio from that livestream will be hitting the main podcast feed on October 30th. So please keep an eye out for that. Secondly, as we've mentioned earlier, in November you will be hearing some additional bonus content instead of a main plot episode, and in December we will be off for the winter holiday season. But Chapter 9 will return in January 2023 with Part 1 of Chapter 9, which will be titled A Handful of Bodyguards. We're really excited to bring you this chapter. But now, first what you are about to hear is a minisode entitled Dear Uncle, written by our guest writer O. Carciente, and performed by our own Paul Notice, reprising the role as Antonin Mooncrest. This minisode is set during the course of book one of the main plot of the show. Hope you enjoy. Dear Uncle, by the time this letter reaches your hands, I shall be hiding under Redmore's nose. You must now know that his assassins ambushed me in my tent just before our duel. They've shown me just how loathsome that man is. The righteous anger now motivates me. I have spent time thinking my choices through and have decided that I shall become a phantom and haunt him as his misdeeds haunt those who suffer his oppressive rule. Uncle, I understand that such a choice is bound to disappoint and anger you. And while I know and see why that may be, I wish to tell you why I've chosen this. My first impulse was seeking medical attention for the wounds that I now nurse, which I think a more prudent man than I, with his house and future to live for, would. It's what I think you would want me to do, for you have always loved propriety. While that has served your ruling of our house in circumstances others do not grasp, I also think it has imprisoned you. Uncle, I do not wish to share your cell. I confess now that I am glad Arlene has somehow cleverly managed to flee this artificial and political arrangement we have found ourselves within. I wish only the best for my dear wife, who had the courage to live for herself. She saw the pain our life might bring to her and chose the path that would spare her regrets. I bled and thought about this very long and noticed then what the result would be. In the best case, under a healer's care, my path would lead me back to normalcy. But what is normal? And what should it be question haunts me more than you believe. Is normal calling for another duel likely to be met with more treachery? Perhaps it means further propriety, such that I should declare war on him. Do you think now that I've come to face death, I should force all our men to court it too? Do you see honor in such senseless waste? Should I force more horrors of war on you? 
together, we can keep the orcs at bay. Why should the blood of any man be spilled except the one who caused this whole ordeal? We know one is too many wars to wage. Why is it that I want to torment him? I won't deny I want to see him squirm. I yearn for justice to befall his ilk. No war or duel can deliver this. Honor has failed me every time with him. Why should I think success would come through it? His honor has already blackened through. Fear is the only tool at my command. Personal, visceral, gut-wrenching fear. It's the one language he will understand. The only language. I've seen him use, the only one I know he'll listen to. I think of Redmore like a desert bush, dead and dry as the summer takes its toll. If I don't burn him now, the future holds much greater dangers for everyone else. I know that Redmore shuns propriety, so I will not concern myself with it. It can no longer damn me if the news that I am dead spreads far and wide and quick. I hope that you will aid me in this plan. You hold my life, dear uncle. In your hands. I know what I have chosen is against not just decorum, but order itself. And when the time comes, I will gladly face Gallatin's mercy or judgment of me. Arithmetic has been my greatest aid. This choice is simple when properly framed. No matter how harsh my punishment is, the lives of my men will have been worth it. It would be a disgrace to discard peace over a single man's wicked misdeeds. It doesn't matter if they're aimed at me. You know I matter less than unity. I wish you luck when our men fight the orcs. I know they will triumph in your lead. I hope once this is done, the ruse will die. And you will welcome me with open arms. I do not know if this will come to be. I may be dead this time in a week. I love you, uncle. And am in your debt. I love my father and my people too. I do not wish to cause you for pain. I just believe this is what I must do. Sincerely, Antonin. That was Dear Uncle. The next minisode you will hear is titled A Good Night Story. But first, this minisode is brought to you in part by Tab for a Cause. Tab for a Cause is a browser extension that lets you raise money for charity while doing your thing online like you always do. Once you download this extension, whenever you open a new tab, you'll see a beautiful photo and a small ad. Part of that ad money goes towards a charity of your choice. If you're like me and always have way too many tabs open, why not channel at least a little bit of that energy for good? Join Team TOAFN by signing up for tabforacause.org slash TOAFN.
It's all right. Everything's all right. Oh, this goes on any longer. Bailey might just throw us all out. Anna! I've already had to apologize to two customers for that one squawking. I swear, you and your sister are nothing but trouble. I'm terribly sorry, Miss Bailey. I don't know what to do. I've fed him. I've changed him. I've rocked him. I think he just misses his mother. Well, don't we all? Get that imp to sleep before he wakes up the neighbors too. Oh dear. Well, I can't blame her. Oh, shush, 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 there, there. Oh, I'll tell little one we have that in common despite our other differences. My mother died when I was born. And you? You're too young to remember your mother. Oh, my father always said Ardell and I looked just like her. Her red hair, her face. Sometimes when he was being more attentive, he'd tell me how I sound just like her when I sing. She loved songs too. And stories. Sometimes if father was drinking himself into oblivion or dismissing me, or if Ardell was being particularly cruel, or both, or if I was feeling simply awful, the nurse would sit me on her knee and tell me a story to cheer me up. There were a couple of different ones, but there was one I think you might like right now. Once there was a queen who had everything she could ever want. Her husband adored her. Their kingdom was peaceful and prosperous. They ruled their people fairly and were respected in turn. But the greatest thing she had in the world when it came was her child. One night, not long after it was born, the unthinkable happened. Her child was stolen away from her by that terrible trickster, the prince of the fair folk, whose true name must never be uttered. All the king's men searched far and wide across the kingdom for the child, but found nothing, and so she set out herself to bring her child home. She traveled three days and three nights until she came to a cliff face she could not see the bottom of. Perhaps it was the wind, but she imagined she could hear the crying of her child below. She knew she would need rope to climb down, and she had none with her. So she fashioned ropes from her finest scarf and belt. A steep price to pay, but some things are worth it. She climbed and climbed and climbed until she reached a cave at the bottom of the cliff. Inside the cave was too dark to see, and she had no torch with her. So she fashioned one, ripping cloth from her finest dress and dipping the scraps in her finest perfume. A dear price to pay, but some things are worth it. At the end of the cave was a thick and heavy door. Try as she might, it was locked and held firm. There was no key in sight, and nothing she had on her that would fit into the keyhole. So she took a knife and cut off her little finger. A terrible price to pay, but some things are worth it. She fit her finger into the keyhole and opened the door. Beyond it was a tunnel winding further and further into the dark. The queen held her torch high and continued on. She crept through winding tunnels, only slightly aware that the door had closed behind her, locking her in. Her torch was nearly dying when she heard it. <laughs> through an opening, she saw the trickster warming itself by a fire and taunting her child. Desperately, she began to sing a lullaby, so sweet that even the trickster was lured to sleep. 
Only once she was certain did she creep out of her hiding place. She moved forward silently and gently took her child back. As soon as the trickster felt the child leaving its grasp, it started awake and the queen fled. She ran into the dark as fast as she could, but she was tired and unable to see in the dark. As it advanced towards her, menacing, she clutched her child tight and prayed to Galadin. Suddenly, the tunnel shook and the ceiling fell down, crushing the trickster, but sparing the queen and her child. And as she looked up, she saw daylight falling upon her face. The collapse of the ceiling opened a new tunnel to the surface. Waiting for her patiently was her horse. Weeping, the queen thanked Galadin and mounted her horse, returning home with her child safe in her arms. And that's the end of the story. You seem to have liked it, little one, when I was little. I liked it because I wanted a mother like that. I wanted someone who would do anything for me. I wanted a mother. Of course, Galadin does not give us what we want the way it's told in stories. But Galadin sent me Gwen, and since then I've never wanted for love in my life. Little one, whatever happens, I promise you won't ever want for a mother the way I did. It's still dark. I think it's best all of us try getting at least a few hours sleep. Good night, little one. A Good Night Story was written by Sarah Winkler, another wonderful guest writer, and is performed by Anya Gibby and S. Arlene. Both of today's minisodes were edited, mixed, and sound designed by Tristan Stone. We hope you've enjoyed these minisodes, and we will see you in a couple of weeks with the Q&A audio, and a few weeks later with some bonus content.